walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. The Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. And here we are, Dave. We are at episode four. They said it could not be done. We never stopped believing, Duff. Um, so many people to thank. I want to thank Ice Coffee. Duffy just picked up his Ice Coffee. Um, I want to thank the stands behind, the weird stands behind that one hoop at Archie Williams. They are weird. Thank you, Chad, for Stuart, for pointing that out to us. Um, Duff, I'd also like to acknowledge friend of the pod, Heather Sager, who, after we created our Instagram handle for the Run TMC podcast, asked me seriously, is this thing called the Runt McPodcast? Um, and I said, no, it's the Run TMC it podcast. Be. It could be. Uh, you know, I'm going to grab up a few more domain names, uh, Dave. One could see how without... Um, uh, capital letters, Duff. It, it is the Runt McPodcast, uh, but it's the Run TMC podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Heather, thank you for that comment. Right. Like I said, we don't even need new domain, domain names. We just need new emphasis. We just need emphasis. All right. Well, we've had, Dave, some exciting developments with the podcast over the last couple of weeks. We've been doing a lot of interviews and they have been fun. We're going to be rolling them out over a few weeks to a month or so. Uh, it has been, we've been traveling around to meet with uh, different basketball people in the, in the county and learning a lot. Uh, we will be passing it along to you in a calibrated fashion, but it's been fun. It's been awesome. Great, great interviews, great guests. It's been, it's been great. Uh, we've been getting some good feedback from listeners through different venues. Uh, the people have been emailing us at the podcast at gmail.com. Please keep that up. Uh, and mostly they are pretty kind emails. They might say, keep going. We love it. Basketball's great. Marin County's great. And then uh, the occasional tell Dave to stop talking. And clearly uh, my wife, Katie, wrote that last one. Yes. And probably Angela's getting on there right now to say the same thing to me. Totally. Totally. Okay. A few more uh, housekeeping items. Our website, speaking of Angela, she's been working on it. Uh, it is the run tmcpodcast.com and it is out there and uh, it is not perfect but it is coming along you can find our episodes there you can find some pictures uh, you'll be able to subscribe to our newsletter and email us and uh, there will be other functionality and other con content that will come along soon so very excited about having a website looks super cool great job Angela I also Duff I want to make a quick plug for guests so we've had a few people reach out to us they've emailed us out of the blue, some folks we know and some we've not met who just said, hey, love the podcast and I'd love to be a guest. And so we've actually had a few of those people on or will have them on. We've already done some interviews with those folks. So if you're connected to Marin basketball, if you're a current or former player, if you're a coach or and you want to be a part of this podcast, you know, reach out to us. We can't guarantee we'll get you on, but um, we'd love to hear from you. So send us a message. And to you, Coach Kerr. We're very sorry, but you need to be concentrating on the job at hand. We want to bring the championship trophy back to 
the Marin County and the Bay Area more broadly. So please, we'll have to wait until after the season for you. Agreed. Sorry, Steve. Um, Duff, I think let's do our disclaimer. You are chief disclaimer officer of our podcast. So I think this is the time for the disclaimer. So yeah, blah, blah, blah. We have jobs. uh, We have other roles. We coach. And uh, on this podcast, this is just two guys over some iced coffee and a laptop uh, and imperfect recording material talking basketball. So speaking of sponsorship opportunities, Duff, how have we not had an iced coffee sponsor yet? That's a very good point. Okay. Um, Yeah. I don't have an answer for that question. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. But we do have some sponsors. More to that. Uh, more, more on that in a moment, Dave. Yes. But yeah, we we are we're chipping away, and we're very excited. We have two official sponsors. Yeah, it's awesome. All, all right. right, what what do we do next, Dave? I think we all right. We have. Uh, you can talk about CYO. Uh, we're going to talk about CYO. Yeah, it is CYO assessment slash evaluation slash tryout. Although tryout is really a word we don't use, or is tryout two words with a you know with a hyphen in between. No matter what, Dave. Um, it is a busy time of year for those of those uh, coaches and players and parents involved with CYO basketball here in Marin County. It's exciting. Uh, it's chaotic. Uh, for some, it's fun. For other, it's stressful. But uh, no matter what, it's a big deal. Filling up, filling up the gyms. And Dave, I know you had an assessment just the other day. I did. I did my first one. And for those of you not in Marin, CYO is just the Marin Youth Basketball Organization, but I'm sure wherever you are, there's there's youth basketball, right? So that's when we say CYO. That's what we mean. So um, yeah, I did a uh, an assessment for St. Sebastian, which is my local CYO parish, and uh, it was awesome. It was, it was great. It was so fun to be in the gym. The kids played really hard. Duff, actually, I had two or three kids come up, give me a fist bump, and say, hey, we listened to your podcast. That's so cool. And that's not so coincidentally, cool. a few of those kids found their way to dive on the floor for some loose balls mm, well, during the they, assessments. So, um, but it, they it was, have a, they have an advantage. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, uh, so it was great. So why don't you talk about your perspective on this? Yeah. So I've done this for a couple of years also with uh, St. Sebastian. I have my first assessment that I'm helping out with tomorrow, Dave, uh, and I think some eighth graders. So that'll be fun. Uh, we have talked already on this podcast about sort of as a player, how to approach the assessments. We've also asked around and talked to friends of the pod, including Chad Stewart, getting some opinions on what are best practices if you're running or participating in an assessment. And then we'll just cover again for the players out there if you're finding this podcast for the first time, uh, some best practices for ways to not necessarily shine, but just put your you know best foot forward in the assessments. So organizing these it a lot it's chaotic as i mentioned earlier you have a lot of kids coming in you have to uh, assess them in a brief period of time often you only have one gym it's going to be loud and a lot of the people doing the assessments won't know the kids in advance because you don't want the favoritism of having a coach or a parent do it who uh, is going to you know not it may have some intrinsic bias so you got to organize the gym you got to organize the outside of the gym uh, Dave, maybe just give us a brief overview of how that, how that looks at St. Sebastian, at least. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's been great. Um, Tom Poser and Pam Nelson, who run it for, for us, have done an amazing job. So we have people out front of the gym who check in the kids, give them each a jersey with a number on it, and then also create um, a checklist for the evaluators with each kid's name and the jersey number next to it, and then have clipboards. So it just makes it a much more streamlined process. So the evaluators who are 
you know, in, in St. Sebastian's case, we actually have third party, independent third party people. So coaches, um, you know, other basketball people who don't necessarily know these kids just come in with a fresh set of eyes and, and watch them play for an hour. Um, but having all the administrative work done up front leaves you more time to uh, actually watch the kids play basketball, which is why we're there in the first place. Right. 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 And a couple other things. Uh, you have to have one person who's really controlling the gym and they're not doing any evaluation. They're just running the kids through the drills. They're, they're maybe finding a way to pit bubble kids to, you know, against each other. If they're head coaches of teams, they're conferring with the coaches to see you know, where, what else they might want to see from those, from those kids they have in the gym. And ideally, they're not doing too much talking or coaching because it's a brief period of time. Now, there may be a, an opportunity to just do some teaching or really to do some you know, life coaching for the kids. Uh, and of course, you, you take that opportunity if it, if it comes up and you, know, you, you can avail yourself of that. And the evaluators and coaches should really keep a low profile and just be watching. And I think really a best practice would be to have them not intervene. They have a clipboard, they've got their sheet. It's a lot to be able to rank or rate 30 players you know, within an hour period of time. So really, would be full concentration for someone doing the evaluation, at least for me. I've got sort of limited ability to uh, multitask when it comes to something like that. Yep. Uh, and then, you, you know, we mentioned earlier, just kind of finding a way if kids are on the bubble between A and B, find a way to pit them against each other in, in some competition, you know, three, three V three, just, you know, find a way to, to see if they can stand out a little bit against each other, but also realize it's going to be imperfect. We know basketball is a, a a game where some days you'll shoot 80%, other days you'll shoot 20%. And if it just so happens that on assessment day, it's one of the 20% days, it, it might hurt you. Uh, and that is just the, you know, the way it is. Uh, fortunately, you know, being on an A, B or A team or B team, is, it doesn't put you on a particular track for the rest of your basketball career. Basketball is a life sport, right, Dave? And so, you know, there are plenty of B team players out there, or C team players that end up being great basketball players in high school or for the, you know, the rest of their lives. And so um, it, it, you don't put too much stake in this one assessment. Yeah. I guess I would say that as a parent and as a coach. Yeah, the end game is not making the seventh grade A team. The end game is learning the sport, learning how to be a good teammate, learning how to compete so that you can play in high school if you want to play in college or like me and Duff, you want to play when you're in your late 40s, early 50s. That's the end game. It's not just making the A team for the sixth or seventh grade. Yeah, yeah, totally agree there. And for parents, just realize the people that are doing the assessment, they're volunteers. It's very difficult. There are going to be a lot of kids that are very similar in terms of their skill and athleticism. And at some point, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a, a roll of the dice. And please just be understanding of that. And uh, if there are reasonable requests, you know, friends playing with friends or a kid would prefer to play B, you know, let the organizers know that. There are plenty of kids that just want to have fun and play at the, the B level. And that's, that's totally fine. And, and for many kids, that can be a much better experience than, uh, than necessarily you know, the stress, for some, the stress of playing on, uh, on an A team. Duff, tips for players to help them stand out? Oh, right. Yeah. So no false hustle. Don't do the false hustle. But play hard. Be polite. Look people in the eye. Show good body language. You know, that's a theme. I would say that's the number one thing I notice as an evaluator. If Absolutely. a kid has you know, poor body language after a play, 
and they don't hustle back on defense. That, to me, stands out more than someone who dives on the floor. Duff, I would say that body language won't get you on the A-team or the varsity, but it will certainly keep you off it. Yes. Um, so it can, it can definitely hurt you. Um, so I could not agree more yeah. with that one. Do we have time for a quick body language story? I'm, I'm going to go off script here, Dave, but I've been thinking about this story. It's a pretty good story. I would love it. Okay. Duff. My first game coaching CYO, it's fourth grade CYO, fourth grade B. I have a team of third graders. We've decided to play up and we're playing against, a, I think, St. Patrick and they are running like a motion offense, fourth grade B team. I have one play and it's a clear out to our best player. And they figured that out within about two minutes. So we are down 24 to two, I believe, early in the third quarter. And one of my players, and I won't name his name, but he is a delightful player uh, and still coach him to this day. And he's playing defense and he takes a blocking foul. And it's like, he was moving his feet, but he got there a little late. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a blocking foul. And he looks over me and he's at the far side of the court and he's he had just has tears streaming down his face. He just looks so incredibly upset. So I sub him out right away and I say, what, what's going on? I mean, I know that was a tough call, but I think it was a foul, you know, and it's not a big deal. You were trying to get there. And he said, I really, really, really have to go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's another thing. Let, you know, give him a chance to take a bathroom break during CYO assessments. Well said, Duff. So. All right. Should we move on? I Is think it glossary so. Time? Glossary think time? It's glossary time. Um, so, uh, and I, by the way, Duff, I apologize. You guys will hear in the body of this interview, I hit a couple glossary terms. I went off, off book. Mm, went to some, I was, uh, Duffy was upset with me, but it's okay. Um, okay. So we've been focused a lot on offense so far, Duff, in our glossary segment. So I thought we'd switch it up. And we actually both have selected a defensive term. Mine is tag. That is one of my favorite games, although I'm not sure I've ever played it. And it's a terrible movie, although I've not seen the movie. But thank you for that line, Dave. John Hamm, Ed Helms. Oh, I like John Hamm. Oh, Jeremy Renner. I mean, the uh, cast of the movie is good. The movie itself is not good. But so anyway, um, tag is usually used in the context of tagging a roller. And I'll explain that. So think of a high screen and roll. Very frequent action used in the NBA and WNBA in particular. Um, but so pretend like we're at the, uh, at the top of the key, the, just beyond the three-point line. There's a ball handler moving maybe from left to right and a big player setting a screen. Depending on how the defense plays it, typically defenses will switch a screen and roll. Uh, some, not always. If they do switch the screen and roll, the person setting the screen then rolls to the basket, right, Duff? That's the correct fundamental move. Um, or they pop. Or they pop, right? But let's say they roll to the basket, and on a switch, that roller is going to be open. So the, what the defense needs to do is a player um, guarding on the weak side. Let's think there's a player in the corner, an offensive player in the corner, and that defender's on the weak side. That weak side defender needs to come over and help kind of slow and impede the progress of the roller to the basket. That is called tagging the roller. It's not a full switch. It's just kind of helping for a brief moment until your teammate can recover back to get on that player. And that's called tagging. So if you watch NBA games and you'll hear coaches refer to, we got to tag the roller or it's a quick tag. Um, Tyler Gaffney, who um, is the San Domenico um, boys head coach and is a former college coach, often uses this terminology as well. 
very sophisticated term and used in college games. So tagging a roller, it's just like a quick way to provide help side defense without a full switch. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And it is one of those terms that, and actually concepts that I was never taught when I was playing in high school or even in college. We didn't, yeah, I think we have a lot, we have a lot more terms than, you know, now than we did back Hence then. Hence so. Duff, the glossary Hence segment the glossary. of this podcast. Yeah. But you, you'll hear, so when, when Duff and I were growing up and, and this phrase is still used, you, you'll hear help and recover, right? That's typically used in the context of a ball handler is driving to the basket. He or she gets by his or her defender and a help side defender comes and helps for a second until the original defender can get back on their player. This is a similar concept, but it's for a player that doesn't have the ball necessarily, right? So um, as the roller is going to the basket, someone comes over, tags them for a second, and then gets back on their player. So anyway, tagging the roller. Love it. All right, you ready for mine? Ready. Uh, Pack line. Pack line. Good one. So this is a half-court defensive scheme, and it was first created by Dick Bennett, who is a legendary coach, and his son Tony Bennett is currently at Virginia. But Dick Bennett coached a number of different college programs, including probably most famously University University of Wisconsin. Uh, he was also at Washington State. Uh, and so the pack line is really a conceptual defense that will try and and it's better against a team that is not shooting the ball from outside, and it's packing the defense in essentially trying to take away drives within, you know, into any of the gaps and creating an imaginary line uh, where your defense does not extend outside of that. So if the, that line could be at 16 feet, uh, if you're at the third grade level, it could be at 12 feet, uh, 13, 14, 15, the NBA, it might be out at 22 feet or so. I think the pack line, not a great defense for NBA because the shooters are so so extraordinary they can you know, someone like Steph Curry or, or Dame Lillard can shoot from just about anywhere. So it's a man-to-man defense, but it has a zone principle where all defenders stay within an imaginary pack line that allows for a quick help and recover. Basically saying offense, you're gonna have to beat us from the outside if you're gonna beat us. Right. Right. And I think it also it's it's sort of luring the offense in and then it's a quick you know, quick attempt at a recover with a quick hand. So the idea is if they're, if you're not hitting the outside shots or if someone wants to penetrate a little bit and kick back out, that you're trying to use that as an opportunity to have active hands and get a turnover and go the other way. Excellent. It's a good one. So yeah, you watch it. You'll see certain, certain teams where they're really not allowing sort of any drives into the lane. And that type of team is, you know, more likely than not playing the pack line approach. Yeah, watch the Virginia men. As you said, Tony Bennett, Dick Bennett's son is the coach there. They've kind of perfected this over the years. Right. Dave, uh, this is exciting. We actually have some content that we are going to read from our... Sponsors. From our sponsors. Amazing. All right, we're going to start. We already gave some love to the Hub, and they are an informal sponsor Regardless, but now they're a formal sponsor. So thank you to Jerry and Rebecca. And I'm going to read their copy here and I'm going to try and do it dramatically. And then Dave, do you want to cover our next sponsor? I don't want to do all the, all, all the sponsor time. I would love to, but I'm just excited to hear you read something okay. dramatically about the hub. Please stop by to see locals Jerry and Rebecca at the hub in San Anselmo, where you can enjoy grass-fed burgers, killer salads, 
eight craft beers and cider on tap, and the best milkshakes in Marin County. Watch a game on the big screens, big screens indoor, or on the covered patio. There is plenty of parking and Tesla charging stations at Red Hill Shopping Center in San Anselmo. Oreo shake. Oreo shake, Dave. Love the hub. Um, good field work, too. Great people, great beer, great burgers, good chicken sandwiches, good salads. Just uh, an awesome place. So hugely supportive of them and honored to have them as a sponsor. So thank you, Jerry and Rebecca. Um, okay, mine. I am happy to uh, announce that Nike Camps at San Domenico are um, a sponsor for our podcast, Duff. They are in their 24th year in 2024. Um, the camp was sold out last year in 2023. So this is a summer camp, summer basketball camp. There were multiple weeks um, run by um, our friend Mike Fulton, um, as well as Jeff Skaggs, who is the... Uh, associate athletic director at San Domenico and a future guest on this podcast. Actually, we interviewed Jeff. We're going to release his episode in a couple of weeks. He's fantastic. Uh, but Jeff was very early to this. He wanted to be one of our first sponsors so that he can say he knew us before we became, you know, internationally famous Duff. Um, I was actually blown away when I saw the list of speakers who, who spoke at the camp um, over the summer. My, my younger daughter, Addie, went to the camp and she loved it. But uh, I'll just name a few names. So Brooke Smith, um, WNBA star, played at Stanford and Duke, Marin Catholic grad, McDonald's All-American. She spoke there. Kenny Woodard, who runs 24-8, as we mentioned, phenomenal player for Terra Linda and played pro ball in Puerto Rico. We've talked about Buck and Eddie Joe Chavez. Um, we got our Buck reference already in, Duff. So Bucky and Eddie Joe spoke. Bill Duffy, an NBA agent. Dave Bullwinkle, uh, an NBA scout for the Bulls. Uh, Doug Hendrickson, local guy, great guy, who's a, an agent as well. Um, both Dominican coaches, Justin Arginal on the men's side and our actually guest for this podcast, Tim Lacos on the women's side. So long list of great speakers, um, phenomenal camp and uh, just just really great. And bonus time for the what was supposed to be a 15 second ad. There we go. Yeah, you're welcome. You're well, you're welcome, Coach Skaggs. I never I never go over time, Duff. Um, so anyway, thank you to our sponsors. We actually have had a couple more conversations with sponsors who are very interested. And so we really appreciate that this podcast is resonating with people. And, um, and thank you to our listeners and to our sponsors. All right, let's move on to Joey, California. A little bit of news, and then we're going to do a brief intro of our guest and then into the interview. Beautiful. So uh, some of you may have seen this news recently. Joey Calcaterra, our Marin's own MC grad, NCAA champion with UConn, uh, it just was announced a couple days ago that he has signed with the G League, the NBA's G League, with the South Bay Lakers, so the Lakers uh, organization. Um, that, is, that is massive. Uh, we've talked about how rare it is to have players who played pro basketball, and that's no small thing. Uh, to play in the NBA is obviously the, um, the holy grail, but um, the G League is the next best thing. That is uh, rarefied air, and so super proud of and excited for Joey. Um, there are some G League games that are on TV, so hopefully we'll get to see him play. Uh, but just congratulations to Joey. That's a, a huge accomplishment. Yeah, very excited for him. I think we should also mention uh, Charlie Dusen played at Marin Catholic with Joey. Another really good basketball player. He's still playing around here in leagues and out on Sundays at Hidden Valley. And uh, good kid. Really good, really good player. Would have loved to see those two kids play together for another couple of years. So I, 
I was talking to Rick Winner, um, who, you know, former Marine Catholic coach, great guy, and, and now the, the head of NBBA. And he was talking about when he was the Marine Catholic coach years ago, Joey Calcaterra and his brothers and dad would sit right behind the bench. And like when Joey was, you know, four or five years old, he was at MC games listening into the huddle and watching them play. And, um, and here he is now playing pro basketball. It's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. Shall we get to the intro for our guest? Yeah. So our guest today is Tim Lacos. He's the head women's basketball coach at Dominican University of California in San Rafael. Uh, Dominican's a very good Division II college program. And Tim is entering his 10th year at the helm. Um, we actually go through his background in detail in the body of the interview. So I won't um, say anything more now. I'll just say that he's had a long and successful career as a coach at the women's college level. Um, he is a super thoughtful, caring, warm guy, clearly loves basketball. He loves his community and he was very generous with his time. Um, and I thought this was a, a really fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, it covered a lot of, uh, material about recruiting as a, a recurring theme here. Tim also wanted us to mention, and we'll put a plug in for, uh, a, Tip-off barbecue luncheon that Dominican is hosting on October 21st, 10 a.m. to noon at the Conlin Center, uh, the lovely Dominican campus in San Rafael. I am wearing right now, Dave, my Run DUC shirt that Tim gave us each a, a t-shirt. Uh, some synergy there with our t-shirts, but totally. it is the uh, Run Dominican University of California. So, all right, let's get to the interview. What do you say, Dave? Let's do it. All right. Very excited to have uh, Tim Lacoste with us. Tim, thank you for, for the time. This is, we've already, it's already been fun. Um, so Tim is the, uh, the head coach of the Dominican University women's team here in San Rafael. Uh, Tim, I'll do, a, I'll do a little background here for our, for our listeners to let them know how impressive you are because it's, it's, it's a great background. So 30 years of coaching at the women's college level, right? That's right. Um, began coaching at Cal Lutheran in Southern California, and listeners at that school sounds familiar. That's where Mike Fulton, our first guest, played hoops. Um, was Division Three at that time, right, Tim? Correct, yeah. Uh, he led them to multiple conference titles and national tournament appearances and left there in 2000 as the winningest coach in Cal Lu history and then went to Cal State Bakersfield, um, which was, I believe, what well, was the program's early in the program's life, right? Like the second, third year, something like second that. Second year. Correct. Second year. Um, had a great run at Cal State Bakersfield, multiple Division II tournament appearances, and then Tim took them from Division II up to Division One, right? That's right. So if you're scoring at home, he's coached at the Division Three, Division Two, and Division One level in the first you know, 10 years that he was a coach. Um, he then went to San Jose State in 2010, and he turned that program around. He was 2012 WAC Coach of the Year, um, and then he left San Jose State in 2014 and came to lovely Marin County and joined Dominican University, and here we are starting his 10th season at Dominican. Um, you guys can't see Tim. He's a, he's a big guy. We're going to talk about his post game. He was a, he was a hell of a player himself. Um, I, I've seen Tim's teams play uh, before I even met him, and I love watching uh, the Dominican women play. They play with great energy and connectivity, and you can tell that he fosters a really strong family-like culture in his team. So I want to talk about that with him too. Um, so Tim, really, really excited to have you here. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's talk about different levels uh, within the college game, right? Because you, you have this kind of unique experience where you started at the D3 level, 
went to D2, D1, you're now at spending a lot of time at the D2 level. When you're looking at players and talent at these levels, what separates players from being a Division II player and a Division I player? I mean, is it you're you're ta- you're playing Division II basketball? You're really talented, right? So what what's the difference between a D2 and a D1 player in your view? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, what we really look for is players that love to compete. Uh, so I think at every level, you're going to play college basketball, you got to have that passion, that fire. Right. The biggest differences between three, two, and one are typically size, speed, uh, ability. You know, each level you go up, you're going to typically face a bigger, faster, yeah. stronger player. Not necessarily all the time, but many times that's the case. Yeah. So when you have players who succeed at, like, for example, you, we're going to get to this, but you got a couple transfers that came in, like one, um, Haley Hoff, right? She's, she goes to Pepperdine. She does well there. She's now transferred here to play with you guys. So she's gone from D1 down to D2. Do you expect her to, like, is that going to be a big shift for her in terms of competition level, or is it going to be, I mean, do you think she's going to dominate here, or do you think, like, talk about that, like, go, leveling down from D1 to D2, or D2 to D1, how big a difference is the game? Yeah, I think there'll be uh, a little bit of adjustment. Uh, you know, she's played with that high level, so the speed, we like to play up-tempo. Yeah. Um, she's used to that. Uh, she can really shoot the ball, so I think at any level, you know, especially myself, I have a soft spot for people that love, can put the ball in the basket. Right. And uh, she can certainly do that. Um, but it's very going to be very competitive. You know, I coached uh, Division three teams that have beaten Division one teams. Sure. Division two teams that have, you know, beat Pac-12 teams. Uh, so I think, you know, no matter where you go, if you have that competitive fire, there's probably a place for you. Yeah. Um, you know, Haley definitely has that. It was just a better fit. And I think that leads us to the next part of it. Um, finding the right fit. You know, you could be a Division One talent, but that might not be for you. Right. It's like a full-time job. Uh, Division Three, um, you got to really love it because you're not going to be getting paid to play there. Right. There's not a scholarship for basketball all division three players are there um on academic and need-based scholarships only okay. there's no athletic scholarships in division three yeah so that's an important to know so the players that we had at division three were there because they loved it they weren't there for a scholarship sometimes people will choose division one because it's a full scholarship right and that's not necessarily always the best uh, decision um well it's I, interesting you say that you know because we're You've listened to the our episode that we did with our friend KK, right? And you know you know KK, and it was it was interesting to hear where she had some she had some opportunities to play D one, mm-hmm. right? I mean she was arguably a D one player, mm-hmm. but the schools that she could have played at they weren't necessarily they weren't giving her a scholarship, and it wasn't really a money thing she said, but it was kind of a do you want me or not? Right. And she wanted to go somewhere where the school really wanted her, right? right. Where she would fit in, where the coach got it, and where she was going to be utilized right? right and so I thought that was interesting too like yeah she could have gone to UOP or, or really good schools D1 schools but maybe the coach didn't view her as a kind of an integral part of their plan whereas she went and played D2 and yeah. was more of a factor right so. yeah and I think that goes to fit um, on both sides you know you want to go somewhere where you really wanted we want players who really want to be here right you know if we have to chase you you know, because you're looking for a bigger, better offer, then in your mind, bigger and better, this this is probably not the place for you. You really want to be here, you know, grade school, academics, basketball program, location, then that, that 
plays a key role in in the decision making process. It's a great point. It's it's a, it's even more relevant in today's game versus a couple of years ago, right? With you know NIL at the D one level, the transfer portal, the fluidity of where players are moving from school to school, right. particularly at the higher levels, right? Chasing the NIL dollars. I mean, and listeners, NIL name, image, likeness. Basically, college players can get paid now right. for advertisements, and it's it's it can be real money for the higher level level players that can make millions of dollars. So, college is now that's a that's a big investment that you're making in kids just in terms of recruiting them and getting them into your program. If they play for you for a year and leave, that's that's tough as a coach, right? So, yeah, and it's a special time in your life. You know, you're only going to get this opportunity once. And so you want to go somewhere where you're really going to flourish as a person, as a player. Yeah. And you're going to enjoy your experience. So you look on back on it and uh, you know, you want you want to feel good about those days. And yeah. Uh, I think that's really important going into the process. You, th- you see a lot of transfers a day because I think they sign for maybe not the best reasons. You know, you want an academic fit. Um, yeah. You want I think it's important to go visit. Um, maybe not always when it's an official, do an unofficial visit. So you really see what the day-to-day life is like. And spend time with the players. You know, when we were recruiting players, we want them to spend as much time as they can with our players because they know better than anybody what it's like to be here. Um, and we want our players to be honest with it. Sure. So this is what Dominican's all about. This is what Coach is about. Um, you know, I think that, and, and you'll know. You know, a lot of times you ask our players, they knew on their visit this felt like home. This is where they wanted to be. Right. If you got some yellow or red flags, you need to you need to listen to that and, and, and dig deeper, you know. And then, you know, like you or I or our our sons or daughters, you know, my daughters you make a list, you weigh the pros and cons, and you try to make an informed decision. You know, some of it can come down to just what what's your heart telling you. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So I'd love to talk about your perspective on the game today versus when you started coaching 30 years ago when you were playing more than 30 years ago, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked a lot on this podcast the last couple episodes about the modern game, right? Okay. Five out, a lot of motion, Right. A lot of threes. Yeah. When you were playing, it was more tradi- – I mean, we still – they were run-and-gun teams, right? But right. but in general, the post players were probably more of a prominent part of the offense. Right. Is, that, is that fair to say? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> talk about that. I mean, do you, what, what do you like? Do you like today's game? Do you like the game the way it was before? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. Um, I just love the game. And, again, uh, you, you hear me say what's most important the ball. Where do we put the basket? And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Sure. You know, as a player, um, yeah, I mean, I spent hours in the driveway putting the ball in the basket and how many different ways you can do that. And then growing up in Southern California during Showtime and Magic, you know, Worthy, Kareem, you know, that's I modeled my game after that. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, you see, oh, you can score at all three levels. I didn't know what all three levels were. You just put the ball in the basket wherever you are. Right. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed that style of play, and that's how I coached initially. You know, we used the uh, three-out, two-in, because that was our personnel. And uh, uh, Tara Vanderveer's uh, videos, you know, I studied those, I studied the game. Obviously, they had a lot of success with it, so let's try that. You know, I think it's important to try to match your players with, uh, you know, what go to their strengths, and that was our strengths. And uh, we, we led the country in scoring. We averaged 93 points a game. Amazing. And I learned quickly that defense is your best offense. 
the men's coach at Cal Lutheran at that time was Mike Dunlap. Yeah, great coach. One of the best I've ever seen, and he, he uh, took me under his wing. You know, I was 23 years old, head college coach, um, because I was also an athletic trainer. So, you know, that wouldn't happen today. Uh, but at that time, they needed an assistant athletic trainer and a head women's basketball coach. And then luckily for me, Mike Dunlop was the men's coach, and I just studied, studied. I was sitting at all their practices, and um, it just it came together. You know, the team was 1-24 before we got there. Wow. You know, a year later, you know, because I'm asking all the coaches, what do you got to do to be successful here at college level? Recruit, recruit, recruit. You know, and then I get to watch Dunlop and his X's and O's and his, yeah. his defense and the intensity. And then Tara's, um, you know, very good – high-low offense, install that. You know, so I take a little bit from everybody, make it your own. You know, I couldn't be Coach Dunlap. I couldn't be Coach Vansby. Sure. But I try to take what they do well and, and make it my own and fit our players. And that worked really well for us. And then I went from Cal Lutheran to, to Bakersfield, and we didn't have, you know, we're playing, especially when we went Division One. we were much smaller. And there was a guy named Vance Wahlberg who graduated from Cal State Bakersfield and was coaching you know, close to Clovis West with that dribble drive mm -hmm. and then Fresno City. And I was, you know, our person, we had a lot of guards there that, you know, were Division One talent but were overlooked and had chips on their shoulder and those kind of kids we really liked. So we ran the dribble drive and we just threw, you know, some on ball to get a mismatch that we wanted and we're beating Pac-12 teams with the Division Two budget. Awesome. Yeah, and I think that was just a sign of the times. You know, everybody in the Central Valley was running a dribble drive. Right. Because of Wahlberg. Um, and uh, so I was, you know, very fortunate to have mentors like Dunlap, uh, Wahlberg, Tara. And then, um, you know, I tried to incorporate all those things. And I, I think, you know, then the three-point line and uh, up-tempo and then coming up here to the Barry and seeing the Warriors perfect that. Sure. Um, man, what great basketball. And I just feel blessed that I grew up in SoCal with the Lakers and then, yeah. you know, Stanford women's team. Yeah. And then, you know, Wahlberg High School, junior college, one of the best. And then to see the Warriors uh, and just try to take, you know, what they were doing well. But I think, you know, the game has evolved and changed in a lot of ways, but you still got to put the ball in the basket. Right. And you got to stop the other team from putting the ball in the basket. Exactly. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. I don't know if you watched the WNBA finals last night, but yeah. man, the aces, wow, inside out. And I think that's you got to have that. You got to be able to play inside out, both offensively and defensively, if you want to be a championship team. Well, look at the Nuggets, right? I mean, Jokic, yeah. Jokic is a special player, but but Jokic, there's a lot of inside out, get get a paint touch, get it back, and and fans, listeners. We'll do a, in our glossary. We'll do a paint touch. It basically means the the ball gets in the paint in the key. Doesn't necessarily have to be shot when it gets in the key, but that's a sign of a good possession, right? And I, I totally agree with you. I think the aces and the nuggets. You've done the glossary, Dave. There we go. Yeah. Hey, Tim. One more, one more Tim, I'm like my 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 dog when I'm putting the bowl down, and she can't wait to get the food. When you, you threw these names out there, I gotta say something about them. So Mike Dunlap, we're gonna do a whole episode on Lavin Camp. Yes, lore because yes. it it deserves it yes absolutely. and uh, with dave deneen who I, I think we'll probably release the deneen interview before yours we're trying to figure out when we do these episodes but dave deneen we we, we did a deep dive on the lavin camps but um they were summer camps run by steve lavin mm -hmm. 
just a huge mentor and figure in my life and all of our lives. But Mike Dunlap, that's an example of a guy who just at Lavin Camp, I'm a player, I'm a kid, mm -hmm. and this guy's coaching at this camp, and he is a elite college coach. And you're talking about he's at Calu. And when that guy spoke, I, I still remember his monotone voice. He's not a very tall guy, but he felt like he was eight feet tall to me because yeah. the things he was saying were so meaningful. Yeah. He went on to coach for the Nuggets, right? Metro State. Right. He was with the Bucks when they just won the championship. With the Bucks, mm -hmm. Mike Budenholzer, who was uh, coached the Bucks to an NBA championship. He was a Laving Camp coach. I mean, the the coaches that we had at that camp were incredible. Yes. But uh, but yeah, Dunlap was an amazing guy to learn from. So that that's really cool that you were able to. Yeah, I'd love to, to dig in a little bit deeper there because that was yeah. my Marin connection. So Mike uh, was a mentor. Uh, one of the things, you know, I said, where do you, you know, because I haven't really seen this language that you use, you know, there's more than X's nose. Right. He was um, a father uh, and his family was fantastic. And I really admired that. And he suggested I take a parenting class. Yeah, I'm 23 years old. Interesting. No kids. Yeah. Parenting class. And this lady's name was Diana Gilman. And unbelievable, just, uh, you know, because there's such an overlap between parenting, yeah. with parenting and coaching. Um, you know, high expectations, logical consequences. And that affected me more than the X's and O's. And he was one of the best at that. And then he, he saw that, you know, how do, how do I get better? How do I get better? I want to get better. And he's like, uh, you need to go work the Snow Valley camps, Westmont College. Unbelievable. And yeah. the Lavin basketball camps. So, four weeks of Snow Valley with Westmont College. Yep. You got Majerus, the Van Gundys, I mean, the best of the best coaches. Um, two weeks of boys, two weeks of girls, and then I came up here and did two weeks of lab. And these are overnight camps. Yeah. And they are back-to-back. -back. Six weeks. I was there. We were probably there at the same time. Yeah. And, and that was yeah. my first time meeting Lab and the family and uh, Coach Moore. Coach Moore. I was going to um, ask him, when you're talking about the Central Valley, I mean, he was at Fresno Pacific, right? Yeah, and then time. Westmont. And, um, and then Westmont. Yeah, and now he's with Lab at uh, USD. University of San Diego, yeah. So there is so much history there. I mean, that could be several books. But that was my yeah. introduction. And the Rebellies, um, you know, we so at the end of the camp, we went to the Rebellies up the road here. Yeah. And Jim still comes down. Mike, I know Michelle. They were fantastic, you know. At the end of the camp, we'd go up there and and um, celebrate the week <laughs> that we survived. Get some meat. So, so the camps were at Pacific Union College in Angwin, which is a Seventh Day Adventist town. There's no, it's vegetarian. Right. So the the tradition was at the end of camp, we'd all go into Saint Helena and go to A and W and get a hamburger. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the Michelle Bravelli, by the way, one of our next guests. We're interviewing her next week, maybe or the week after. Old friends of ours. Yeah. Um, her brother, Mike, great, both Michelle and Mike, great players of Santa Fe, and their dad, Jim, was a USF coach, coached for the Wizards and in the NBA. Just great people and amazing yeah. basketball ambassadors. You know? Yeah, and that was my exposure to Marin County basketball and the people here, and that served me well in my career, those connections. And now to come full circle, yeah, you know, I, I see um, the Brevelli's at CYO camps. And yeah. You know, just at uh, Coach Fulton's engagement party, <laughs> had the chance to coach KK with my daughters and, MBBA and the CYO circuit, the whole thing. Marin's been a blessing for me and my family and, and definitely the coaching profession. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's get back to, for some of the players out there. So when you're evaluating talent, mm -hmm. what do you look for in players? What, what catches your eye? Yeah, well, um, that competitiveness, that wow factor, that kid loves to compete. If you watch our team, yeah. <laughs> we're not the biggest um, but man, we play hard. 
and that's fun to coach. It's fun to play with. You know, yeah. those are the kind of players you love to play with, kind of players you love to coach. So we look for competitors. Yeah. Yeah. They're the, they're the outward competitors. You can really tell. And then they're the quiet competitors. Yeah. Are, are you able to pick up on both types of competitors? Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, loud and the one of the best was sitting in your chair, the assistant's chair, Fanique Allen. Fanique Allen played for me at Cal State Bakersfield. She's now the assistant coach at University UC San Diego. A warrior, quiet warrior though, but she just, and just a great person. Um, so we were going from Division Two to Division One, and she went up to a school in Washington, hmm. Division One, long way from home, which is San Diego and wanted to get back closer to home. So a better fit for her at Bakersfield. She knew the style of play that I love. The first thing we look at is your transcript. That's important, those listening. If you don't have the grades, we can't, we can't recruit you. Kids study, get good grades. Yeah. Okay. So there's still a place, you know, community college is a great sure. route. But Division Two, you know, in Division One, you have got to meet the NCAA requirements. Um, and that's part of being competitive. You know, we, we're looking for top students, top players, top programs that love to compete yeah and there's usually a correlation there and Phoenix a great example so when I was at Bakersfield uh, we were fortunate to get her and she was a, a warrior point guard a leader you know as a coach I was smart enough to give her the ball and let her go and uh, she was either gonna score or she was gonna get you a great shot and if she needed on ball to create a mismatch it happened so it made made my life a lot easier as a coach having players like that and then other players wanted to play with her and gravitated towards she made players better and uh, that uh, success bred success and um, man and then when we came when I came here 10 years ago I asked her to to join me in helping build a winning program here at Dominican and who better than a player that sure you know played for me went through it played pro um, you know and so th those are the kind of people that not only players but people that we're looking for so in our in our interview with Tom Poser and John Granucci, two great friends of ours, Tom said some great things about, I asked him the same question about how do you evaluate players, and he was in the context of kind of CYO, right, younger kids. Yeah, yeah. But he just said, you know, be that kid that dives on the floor yeah. and gets that loose ball, right? right? Yeah. And that's that's more of the outward competitor, right? But yeah. coaches yeah. look at that stuff. Yeah, some do with a big old smile on their face and rah, rah, and others just you know, come up stoic. Yep. But they're both fierce competitors. Yeah. That's what we love. And those loose balls. We've got to get those loose balls. So um, talk about your recruiting process. So when you're, when you're looking at players, how does it start? Do you, uh, do you want to go see them play their, in, a, in a high school game? Do you go to AAU? Like wh where, do you, yeah. where do you start your process with yeah, players? Yeah, it's a combination of high school, AAU. Um, but now doing it for 30 years, I rely heavily on connections. Sure. Again, we're looking for top students, top players from top programs. And I've been coaching in California for 30 years, so I know a lot of high school, JC, club, you know, four-year coaches. And a good example of that would be um, Jenna Dooley, our point guard. Um, she played for one of my former players, Brandy Murray. She played for me at Cal Lutheran and then went to um, Sierra College, head coach there. They won a state title. Their team captain was Jenna. Hey, you know, Brandy got any players that we should look at? Well, yeah, this kid's a 4.0 uh, coach's dream. Great. And so we invited her here, and, and you know, it was a great fit for her academically, basketball-wise, and 
you know, so that the relationships are really, really important. Sure. And if, if I were, you know, giving advice to my son or daughter, uh, one, you know, do your homework, you know, uh, grades first and foremost. Right. Um, two, become the best player you can, individual work, um, your high school coach, club coach, try to find the best and then play with the best that you can. You know, when I was playing, my coaches, we played three on three um, every weekend against the coaches, against the dads, against the alum, and that that helped more than anything. Playing pickup, as we've talked about. Yeah, and just, not, not just, I love three on three because you get a lot of touches, and a lot of the game is one on one, two on two, three on three. Absolutely. Yeah, and the better you are at that, the better you're going to be at five on five and sure. getting up and down the court. Yeah. Uh, so I highly recommend that. And, you know, we do that a lot with CYO and MBBA. We played a lot of small side games, and yep. I think that really helps the player development. And, and then, you know, as uh, contact the coach and say, hey, I'm interested in your program. Uh, your high school or club coach can uh, help you with that, put together a tape that exemplifies you and your game, and not just highlights, but a game tape, and preferably against a good team. You know, and not just, you know, you, you hung 40 on the weakest team in the area, but you played solid maybe in the state tournament, and you know that's something that we would want to see. So we want to we want to ask you about this. The, the what do the kids call it? The hype tape, um, or whatever sizzle. That wheel. might have been the you know the terminology before the current terminology, but we'll call it the hype tape. Well, now it's just an Instagram reel, probably. But but what do you recommend? Because I, I was talking to another coach. He said, "All right, you know, I had this this kid gave me a a reel, and it was just it was him making you know fifteen corner threes I'm like after the third one I'm like okay got it right you can, you're, you're yeah. good from the corner yeah show me other stuff so like what what kind of stuff would you want to see I, I, I like that you're saying that you want to sh- see in game against good competition but yeah. you want to see like a variety of different situations so this is this would be the ideal profile yeah you send us a transcript you send us your stats you send us uh, some clips of you doing what you do best yeah and then you show us some game film uh, preferably against a strong opponent Okay. That's what we love to see. The rest is kind of fluff. Right. Yeah. And you'll look at that stuff, right? I mean, you'll you'll watch if, if kids send, if they got the grades. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they got yeah. the stuff. You'll, you'll yeah, we're, we're video junkies. We love to watch that stuff. Yeah. We love to watch good good basketball. Right. Um, but, yeah, if it becomes a, uh, we've, we've seen bank shots from three on the videotapes. Probably the... Nah, nah. <laughs> right, well, about that, right? So yeah. you're not, I imagine you're not necessarily looking, you assume if it's on the tape that the ball goes in, you're not looking so much if it goes in right. because it's you've already had a selection bias. Right. You're looking probably more at the feet, yeah. the lift, the release, right. all the, you know, the, you know, the mechanics of the shot. Yes. And you can probably tell with some, if someone's a, actually a great shooter or not. Absolutely. That's a, going back to Haley Hoff. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the best pure shooters I've seen, catch and shoot. And that's an area that we wanted to improve our team. And so when we had the chance to recruit her, then you could tell instantly just watching her shoot the ball. And Haley was, wasn't she Bay City? She played for a really high-level AAU team, right? I think yeah. she was, I think it was Bay City in the in San Francisco. Uh, but because uh, I'd, I'd heard about, about her before. But um, hey, there's one, there's one more glossary term I wanted to throw out there. You mentioned small-sided games, mm-hmm. and that's a great one. Yes. That, Coaches will know, but for parents, players, small-sided games are just in practice. Coaches like to set up situations where maybe it's... We do this in the intro, not during the interview. But in the context of the... Come on, here. I don't want them to be scratching their head. Duff. This is a player control foul on my part. 
Small sided games are just three on three, four on four, two on two. Sometimes maybe where the offense has an advantage. Just different situations that that aren't just a pure five on five, right? Yes. And they're very good teaching tools. Well, yeah, it leads me to the next and Lavin camps uh, yes. cutthroat. Uh, yes, do, it with my, do it with my team every every practice. Yeah, it's one of the best things you could do, I think, for player development and uh, coaching. If you're emphasizing defense and ball pressure, because what's most important? The ball, where you're trying to put it, the basket. So in cutthroat, you got to have ball pressure. you got to protect the basket. And how do we finish our defense? Rebound. Rebound. So those are the three rules that we put in cutthroat. If you can do that, you can play defense anywhere. Um but the, the, I think that's if I had one drill other than shooting drills, I'd put in cutthroat, and you can do that defense or offensive. Yeah, so coaches out there, cutthroat. I do it with my teams, and by the way, at Stanford, Tara, we played cutthroat all the time. Jonas Honick, my high school coach, we played cutthroat every practice. Yeah. Cutthroat's a fancy way to just say three on three or four on four with rules, right? And so, like for my team, if we're playing offensive cutthroat, you catch the ball, you have to square up to the basket and triple threat. You pass the ball, you have to cut to the basket or screen away. And we either limit the dribbles or or have a sh- certain a, sh- a really short shot clock, some kind of urgency to make a quick decision. Yeah. And it's just a great teaching tool. Yeah, and if your team's got a particular uh, area they need to focus on, maybe scouting report. Right. You can just put that in the cutthroat format and drill it. Exactly. Until you got it right. Yeah. Exactly. Duffy, I apologize. It's a glossary, glossary heavy interview here. I have one more question on the uh, on evaluating yeah. film. How much are you, when you're looking at someone, how much are you looking at their potential? So you're looking at their athleticism, they're looking at how they cover space and you know, yeah. whatever it might be as opposed to the skill you see. What's the balance of those two things? Or do you not, or is it just more of you know, a cumulative sort of feel of the player? Uh, both. I think uh, the cumulative feel for the player and then specific to our needs. Right. You know, if we need a shooter or a rebounder, um, we have a 6'4 player from Utah that we watched films that, ooh, she could be really good. Mm. And then uh, last year uh, was a you know typical freshman, you know, a lot of learning. <laughs> and this year she's, she's uh, really, and she worked hard over the summer. And you can tell she's going to be an impact player for us. That's great. So advice on how to be seen by coaches. So we talked about, you know, it's, it's nice to have a high school coach who has connections, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's one good thing. But let's say there's a kid listening to this in the middle of nowhere and they have a new high school coach and their coach isn't connected. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend? So there's the AAU circuit, yeah, right? Yeah. Is that, a, is that the best way, you think, for kids to get seen? Well, that's where a lot of the college coaches are, right? Because we want to see the best. So you're going to go wherever the best teams are, the yeah. best tournaments. Uh, and that's that's obvious um, choice. However, that might not be the best. You know, there's some excellent coaches. You know, in this area, we have the Cal Stars, Bay City, and a lot of our players played from them. That's where we saw them. Sure. And that's where the coaches recommended that Dominican would be a great fit. Um, but like Zach uh, and MBBA, excellent coach. Zach Barello, uh, yes. yeah, great coach, great and, guy. And then uh, MBBA is really working hard to develop the, the women's program, KK. Yep. Um, you know, so you got to kind of weigh it. Is it worth traveling and paying maybe a lot of money to be seen and get limited playing time? Or is it more beneficial to really work on your development? You know, go to some tournaments, be seen, but really improve as a player so your, your value goes up. Right. Um, and then... You know that if you can play, we'll find you. Sure. Um, and so I think it's important to weigh that. It's not always 
um, you know, the, the top club program per se, you may or may not play a lot. Um, and is that what's best for you and your game? Maybe not. Right. So, you know, of course, you know, I'm on the sideline next to Tara and looking at the, you know, the top club teams. Well, we're probably not going to get that kid. So I'm over on court four or five also right. looking at, you know, the, and then you see a kid dive, lose balls, you know, hitting shot after Competing. shot, making great passes, just yep. playing great basketball. Wow. You know, that's, that's the kid I want to have visit here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Um, talk about a typical campus visit. So I'm a, I'm a stud high school senior. Uh, I want to play for Coach Lacosa at, at Dominican. I come to visit campus. What, walk us through a typical campus visit. Yeah, we're going to try to get to know you and customize it towards make sure we get all your questions answered. That's the main thing. And you get a good feel for us. So I think the best way to do that is we invite them uh, typical day. Like say you came visit us today. We practice in the morning. So watch a practice. And then, um, then we, we try to turn you over to our players as quickly as we can. And they love showing you around the campus and answering any questions that you have. Uh, if mom or dad come or their coach, you know, usually I'm intentionally lagging behind the team to give them space and answer any questions mom or dad or coach may have. Um, and then we'll sit right here in the office and, and say, hey, you know, let's check the boxes. Um, academically, is this a great fit? You know, what's your major? What do you want to do? Um, basketball wise can you see yourself out there playing with us you know how do you feel with the team um, so our visits are typically short and sweet some are overnight uh, some are those are officials the difference between an official and an unofficial visit official visit the school pays for so they pay for your travel lodging okay. okay and so forth and there's only a certain number of those and yeah some schools have more budget to do that than others an unofficial um, you pay for the school does not pay for that and you can do as many unofficials as you want. Oh, okay. There's so we, no we, especially if you're in the area, you know, come over, watch a practice, you know, spend time with our players and see, you know, whether you come here or not, that could be beneficial. Yeah. And I'm at that point too, that if this is a great fit for you, great. If not, I'll try to help you find whatever that place may be. So that's a typical visit for us. That's great. That's great. All right, sign me up. That sounds good to me. Um, okay, let's... Uh, we want to talk about so you're again. We mentioned you're a big guy. You played you played post. Um, how do you how do you feel about post play today? Yeah, um, how's the quality of, of post play? Yeah, there's not a lot of it. And when I played, I wasn't as big as I am now because <laughs> I played a lot more. Have you so, turned into a perimeter player over the years? No, no, I was more of a perimeter player when I was growing up because the Lacoste side of the family was from Iowa, and uh, my cousin she uh, she played college basketball for Coach. Uh, Bueller, that's at the University of Iowa. Yeah. She played at St. Ambrose at that time. And um, she taught me how to shoot. I mean, she's seven years older than I am. And so I looked up to her, and I was just like, man, this is fun. Boom, boom, boom. And um, then our family moved to Southern California. That's when I saw, you know, Magic and Worthy and, and Kareem. I was like, ooh, it's more than just shooting. you got to be able to pass the ball. you got to right. be able to make some post moves. The hook shot, you know, those, yeah. <laughs> those things, that whatever – However, you can put the ball in the basket. So I study the greats and then spent hours in the driveway trying to replicate that. And then as I grew and got bigger, um, I learned that, man, I can get close to the basket and, and use my, my body. And uh, I developed, you know, a, a go-to move, a counter. And that's really all you need. You How tall a, are you, Tim? 6'4". Uh, okay. 6'5 on a good day. 
Um, so at high school, I was able to play inside out. Um, I knew if I had a bigger person guard me, which was not as common, I could probably take them outside. Yeah. 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 And if they didn't guard me, I can go get by them. Right. If they're a smaller player, I can post them up, post them up. And so I understand the inside, outside, and then how to create those mismatches using the screening game. Um, and that's, you know, Lakers were one of the best at that. Uh, and then, you know, then when I got to coaching, uh, it was more guard oriented and the three point line came in. And then when I was at Bakersfield, we didn't have the size. When I got there, we had one player, Heather Gray, who could run forever and ever. And she had great hands and she finished around the post. And we put some shooters around her. Yeah, she led the country in scoring, and her teammate uh, Diana Dipburner, who's now coaching at Colorado Christian, um, was the number three scorer in the country because she can shoot the ball. Man, we, we went to the Elite Eight. They were such a great group. Wow. Um, but it was a combination inside and out, and it, it's tough if you're a post player and you don't have perimeter shooters. It's tough because they're just going to bury they're you. Just gonna they're just going to send more defenders to you, yep. and it's going to be really, really rough. Um, and, and just the opposite. If you're a perimeter player that you know have no inside game, they could just lock you up. So again, I going back the aces. You watch Asia yeah. in the post. Asia Wilson. Wow. And then you got Gray, Plum, Young on the perimeter. You got four all stars, and they're playing inside and out. And it's just it's it's like uh, you know if I were a musician, that was beautiful music, and poetry. Becky. I mean, Becky can coach. Man. What a coach! She puts Becky them in all the, incredible. Yeah, she puts them in all the right spots to be successful. Um, and, and so they know how to get the ball to Asia. And Asia knows that she's double. She knows to look low, look opposite, you know, because that's probably where the open player is going to be. And they know how to work together off screens and cuts. And, you know, same thing with, you know, it, I mean, you look at all levels, you got to have inside and out. Right. So, you know, you might be able to beat a team here and there with a three-point shot. But if you can't guard the rim and you can't get inside consistently, yep. You're not going to win consistently. Well, having post players who see the court, pass the ball, are willing to pass the ball, mm-hmm. and understand the team concept is so valuable, yeah. right? And well, in our level, like Heather Gray, she's six foot tall, yeah. led the country in scoring because she knew how to play inside out. Um, everywhere I've been, we've had bigs, but they've been mobile. And it's like, so here, Natalie Diaz led yeah. um, six foot great play inside player. out. And just a coach's dream. Yeah. Great. She's, I think, here today on campus uh, as alumni business uh, conference. So hopefully see her later tonight. But uh, just a great person. Then we had um, Jerusa Payne, who transferred in, um, led the country in scoring. And, and then there's a kid that's just workhorse. Workhorse. Just worked, worked, and worked. Yeah. Until her body gave out, which was thankfully for us at the end of the season. And then we had um, uh, Riley Freeoff transferred in. Again, because success breeds success. She's like, wow, your post players really do well. Yeah. Um, and and she, and we played her 40 minutes because she got up and she worked really, really hard. And it was funny because here's another thing I think is really important. So she came here on a visit and we saw the potential that we were talking about, right? She's a quiet warrior. And she averaged maybe eight, nine points a game, but we saw something special in her. Um, she had a feel for the game. And I told her, I said, hey, you come here, I think you could be an All-American. 
and I remember she came with her mom or sisters, and they kind of looked like, what, what, what is he talking about? Is he crazy? You know, kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but sure enough, I said, you know, you got to have to work for it. Yeah. And she did. And she became an All-American. Oh, that's great. It is a great story. And, and um, you know, she's had some pro offers, too, and she's um, doing well in the business world. And, you know, it's just a, what you – you want to see your coach, your players be successful on the court and beyond. Yeah. And I think uh, especially here at Dominican – Everywhere I've been, but you know, the last ten years we've not only been able to recruit and develop great kids, but they've gone on to have very, very successful lives, and we're very proud of that. That's so rewarding. Awesome. All right, got a few more questions for you, Coach. So, you mentioned cutthroat is a favorite drill. Can you give me, for the nerdy coaches out there, the people like Duff and I who just love this stuff, give us another drill that you like that you like to run in practice, whether it's a shooting drill or whatever. Just yeah, I think any drill you put time and score on, going back to competitive, yeah, is a great drill. Yeah, because kids love to compete. And then, you know, you, you want to get personal records, PRs, right? We're trying to set PRs individually as a team every day. Yeah. So you can put any kind of shooting drill out there uh, and set the clock, go. And the team shooting um, uh, five ball, right? You're going full court, you're shooting threes, layups, and you got three minutes on the clock. And uh, I think Stanford, when we went and watched, I got this from, from Tara. Yeah. I think they scored 69, and I think our best is 65. But that just gives you something to shoot for, right? Hey, beat Stanford today. Right. Go. So is that where you have, like, maybe it's a weave in the middle and then you have players in the corners passing out to yeah, the wings? that's exactly it. Okay. And, yeah. and then they pass it out. They can shoot a three or a two, but, of course, they want to shoot the three. Um, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that, it has carry over to the game, right? Because when you play the game, there's, there's time, yeah. there's a score, and you got to put the ball in the basket. And the team that does that the most usually wins. So yeah. those are and – and, again, I try to – to keep it simple, what's most important? Right. The ball. Where we're trying to put it? The basket. So every drill that we do, and whenever they ask questions, you know, because we're earlier in the season right now. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I kind of turn it back on. Okay. What do you think? Right. Right. And then, like, ah. and then most of the time they have the answer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I appreciate they asking. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we're not, we're not trying to. You know, it's not calculus. Right. It's you're trying to keep it simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Can you, can you, Duff? I'm not forgetting our, our whiteboard moment. I often do. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through a moment where Coach Tim, you you drew up a play to win it, <laughs> and it just worked beautifully, or, or or something notable where you your coaching chops shone through? We were, um, well, yeah. Uh, the, the, again, keep it simple. I, in a timeout, okay, Fanik, you get the ball. You're going to score or you're going to get to a teammate to score. I mean, it's that simple. It really <laughs> is. Find different ways to get your, your best players the ball yeah. in, the, in the best position. And they're either going to score or their teammates are going to get a great shot. And there's 100,000 different ways to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know what? That's, that's very refreshing. Just keep it simple. Yeah. And then you know the, the other team's probably going to try to do the same thing. So, all right, who's their best player? Yeah. <laughs> where are they going to try to get her the ball? And how are we going to try to stop that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, Coach, we've hit crunch time, the, the, the end here, which I often make too long. But so. Uh, Dave, time for me to interrupt. Go ahead. I think we should get at least a brief season preview for the 
for the Dominican king. If wow. you're, yeah, if you're yeah, thank you. Let me, let me plug the, the penguins, the Love mighty it. penguins yeah. as we call them. Love it. Um, yeah, we got a great group back. We have uh, uh, 10 returners, had a great year last year. Um, they're ready to go. And then we brought in um, seven, four freshmen, three transfers that are certainly going to help us. We have a uh, preview, our tip-off luncheon auction on October 21st here at Dominican, 10 a.m. to noon, and a great barbecue lunch provided by Forest Barbecue. And, and some, this podcast may air after that, but oh. uh, there may be other opportunities. We will, we'll make sure that we we're get your, plug it. Your, your season schedule mm-hmm. up on our website. Maybe on the run TMC uh, social media. We're yes. going to plug yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. we're going to plug yeah, it. Yeah, because uh, Coach DeMarco, Chris, who's an alum, uh, providing warrior tickets for our auction VIP warrior ticket experience. We'll have a game day experience with tickets down um, to Stanford where we open on November 1st. Love it. Um, great opportunity, historic um, opportunity for our program what time do you guys play stanford on november 1st that will be uh, 7 p.m all right if i don't have if i don't have san domenico practice i'm gonna go down bring the team i think mike's gonna try to bring the team there yeah that'll yeah. be that'll be fun yeah. uh yeah no keep going on the keep going on the preview um yeah our our home games are on our website uh, dominicanathletics.com um for more information um you can go to timlacoste.com about uh, our coaching philosophy and kind of keys to success uh, but we're super excited about our group. Uh, it's a special time here at Dominican. A lot of positive things happening, and um, you know, coming off a great year, we, we want to compete for a championship and and play in the NCAA tournament. Love it. Awesome. Well, good luck, Coach. Thank you. Um, all right, now crunch time. Duff. Now crunch time. Thank yeah. you so much. Okay, Tim, favorite coaches and teams to watch. Oh, Coach Dunlap was one of my favorite. My high school coach Ron Rice was one of my favorite. Um, uh, Coach Vanderveer is one of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Steve Kerr, uh, Becky Hammond. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's a reason why they've been so successful. So you try to learn, take what you can, and, and make it your own. I made the mistake of trying to be somebody else. That didn't work. I wouldn't do that. But those those have been some of the great coaches. Great answer. And Becky Hammond, we mentioned she's the coach of the Aces. So she was a – actually, it's funny. You'll, you'll like this, Coach. Um, I first saw Becky Hammond when Stanford played Colorado State in the NCAA tournament wow. in 1997. Yeah. And she was a stud guard for Colorado State. She was 25 points a game. Yeah. So in the practice leading up to that, that was the regional, um, I was Becky Hammond in practice. Because I, I, you know, I was a practice player. So it's like, man, this is fun. I get to shoot the ball every time I touch it. This is great. Yeah. But Becky was an incredible player in college, went on to have a great WNBA career has been an unbelievable coach and was Greg Popovich's assistant for the San Antonio Spurs. Right. And many people thought she could be the first woman. She, well, she was the first woman's assistant coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Many people thought she was, and she might eventually be the first women's coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But then she took the, the Aces job, and she's just an incredible coach. So Yeah, you, uh, you probably saw that when her playing days, that she had that ability. And, and uh, you know, exciting, too, uh, the WNBA is coming here to the Bay Area. Awesome. Yeah. Such a great, mm-hmm. such a great um, development. I love that. Dave, uh, crunch time uh, update is that the clock has expired. We did not get a shot off. Yeah, we need to, <laughs> we need to reevaluate our whole strategy on this crunch time thing. Um, all right, Tim, are you nice to refs? Are you a pain in the butt to refs? What's your, what's your referee strategy? Oh, goodness. I, I've learned over the years to try to be, uh, you know, I definitely was too hot-headed early in my career. And I've learned the hard way, especially uh, being married with kids. You know, they're, uh, they're like, what are you doing? 
Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a really important part of the game. Yeah. And I've learned to better communicate with them, ask questions instead of uh, critique. <laughs> um, so I try to get uh, zero technicals. Um, I probably average one every other year. Um, That's not bad. Yeah, and I think, again, a lot of the officials we have have had for years, some are my former players. <laughs> oh, wow, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're not, you know, they don't take it easy on me. Right. Um, but I think that's certainly helped to have those relationships and understand that they're, they're like, they're part of the basketball family. They're an important part, and sure. just like any family, you communicate. We'll have our moments, but, you know, if think we come from that place, you know, there's mutual respect. Yeah. Hey, coaches out there, if you don't like referees, I recommend you referee a game yourself. The great it advice. Is, it is not easy. Great advice. Um, okay, your dream team, you and four others, you're heading down. It's it's noon at Dominican here on the Conlon Center. You're going to play some pickup. Who, who's your who's your dream team of, of four? It could be the Marin YMCA. Yeah. True. Could be. True. Yeah. yeah. It, doesn't that, be, it doesn't have to be. Dominican. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's some great games. At the so who, do you, who are your favorite? Oh, to I mean, play with? it's it's Magic Bird, Jordan, um, and Curry. That's a pretty good team. Yeah. What are you playing? Are you are you posting up? I'm I'm passing the ball. Okay. Yeah, we're going five out. Going to the corner. We're going five out. Tim, you're setting again, a lot of screens. I get out of their way. Yeah, get out of the way. Absolutely. Beautiful. And then you know, on on the women's side too, Lisa Leslie was a great, great, great player, and Tarasi. You know, she was the first. Still playing. First women's player, you know, and I was I was a pretty good player back then. I was like, oh man, I wouldn't bet money that she'd beat me one on one. Yeah, for sure. Um, Sue Bird, yeah. and then you see every one of the aces and Sabrina. I mean, what a great player from the Bay Area. Ionescu, yep, yeah, played Cal Stars, mm-hmm. same thing that KK did. Okay, final one, most important question: mm-hmm. favorite Marin restaurant. Mm. Well, I know Hub. Right, <laughs> way to go <laughs> for the burger and <laughs> Oreo shake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, after a workout, a good run, great place. <laughs> um, Poggio's in Sausalito. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, that's a great spot right down. And they're friends of the program. Too. Larry Mandel's spot. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's awesome. Duffy, do you have anything else for us? Thank you so much for your time, Coach. Um, a great interview. I think uh, the insights with regards to recruiting. I think many of our listeners will really appreciate that, and you know, nice nuanced information and. Uh, we wish you uh, luck with this season and your program. You've got it all dialed in as far as we can tell. And, hey, you know, we've talked to our players on this podcast about the importance of watching basketball and that to be a great player, watching basketball helps. Kids in Marin, come down to Dominican and watch Tim's teams play. Uh, yes. It's a beautiful facility. They play hard. Tim is a great coach. He's got amazing talent. This is a, uh, just a, such a fun thing to come to these games, so I highly recommend it. Every once in a while, there's like a free pizza night too, right? Oh, yeah, we'll have lots of promos. Yeah. and Yeah, it's just a good time. We really appreciate what you guys are doing. Marin County basketball is great history. And, uh, it's great times right now. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you don't have to wear a mask, hopefully. Yeah, that's right. All right, thanks, <laughs> Coach. Thanks, thanks guys. Appreciate the time. All right, Dave. That was a good interview. What did you think? Um, Duff, I thought it was great. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking with Tim. You know, listeners, we... Duffy, Tim, and I bantered for about 20 minutes before we started recording, um, and we traded some old stories. Uh, just a great guy, full of passion and energy, clearly loves the kids he coaches, he loves the game, he loves this community, and that all, that all shines right. through. And he talked about you know, having a ball, and there's a purpose to the game with the ball, and, and just 
did. Did you did you understand that? It seemed a little complex to me, but there was something about taking the ball and putting it somewhere. It seemed like the most important thing is the ball, and you want to try and put it in some sort of a basket. All right, right. So and then yeah. you have some other team, and they 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 then get the ball, and you're trying to prevent them from putting it in said basket. So it's, we we kid, but it's actually kind of awesome how simple. Um, he, he breaks it down to make the game really simple, and that's that's pretty refreshing. Um, I mean, Duff, why don't you talk about? I, I loved his whiteboard moment. What do you think about that? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just very simple. You know, it's kind of like the Michael Jordan approach. You know, you have to score a basket, end of the game. Why don't we just give the ball to Michael Jordan and have him push off and make a shot? So, or find Steve Kerr for a shot. You know, exactly. So, I mean, it was great. He said, "Look, give the ball to your best player." And either she or he will score, or they'll create an opportunity for someone else. Yeah. And great. I mean, it's we we overcomplicate things in this world, and particularly in basketball. Um, and uh, I thought that was that was super refreshing. And on the the counter to that is, and this was something that we employed at the very end of our CYO season in the championship game, is if the other team has the ball and it's the end of the game, yeah, don't let their best player touch the ball. The simple defensive strategy. Who cares about you know whether you're going to hedge or two three zone or press or whatever? Just don't let that guy get the ball. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, basketball can be a very simple game, and I I do think that I don't know about you, Dave, but over time as a coach, and I'm still very much evolving, but you know the my emphasis on X's and O's and plays has dropped off over time, and it's more about the creating a style of play, creating a mentality of play. And creating the community, and you know, as you talk about Mike talking about being connected, right? It's creating a connection with your team. Yeah. So there's an old coaching adage, Duff, that's uh, don't teach them plays, teach them how to play. And I think Tim Lacos is a perfect representation of that. Right. 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 Um, and you watch his teams play. First of all, I, I mean it. I, I used to go to his games before I met him. Um, they play up tempo. I mean, they've multiple times led the nation in scoring. Um, very fun team, run and gun, and they they play together. And to your point about uh, Fulton's uh, talking about getting connected, you know, at the start of every San Domenico practice, we we run the very old school drill called the three man weave, three player weave. Very simple. It's been been used for decades, and it's just a passing drill that involves you know layups and team working together. But when whenever we're struggling with that drill, Fulton will scream, "Get connected!" And he says the same thing in, the, in games when we're not playing well together. It's get connected. And he means get connected as a team. Be together. Be on the same page. Find the flow. Yeah. Find, Find the, the flow. flow of the team. Yes. And Tim is very much a proponent of connectivity on his teams. Right. And you can see that. I also love the advice, and I think this is very true, to coaches to read books about parenting or to read books about teaching. Yeah. Because you know, coaching coaching is not just the X's and O's and, and knowing the positions and the stats. It really is about you know managing, helping to manage people and find them a way to connect them with their teammates and their coaches. Absolutely, um, I, I I like he brought up Tar Vanderveer's high low the three out two in offense. It was near and dear to my heart. I ran that a lot when I was a practice player um, with with Tar's teams, um, and he's. Use that offense. It's a really good offense. Listeners and coaches, if you have multiple good post players who have good footwork, you get the swing from the wing back to the top of the key and you get that high-low pass. Um, can be very effective. And so I thought that was that was cool that he's you know used that because um, I, 
I spent a lot of my life in college running in, that, in that offense. In a five-out world, there still are some holdouts. That's right. Yes. That's right. So I thought, I thought it was a great interview. Tim is someone you just you want to root for and support. He does a lot for the community. Um, I will definitely be at as many Dominican games as I can go to this year. So Yeah, check out the barbecue uh, October 21st, 10 a.m. if you're around. And we will do our, our, our sign off and thanks. We're going to save the player control. We're going to, we do have some items for the player control, but uh, out of the interest of time and our listeners' patience and the accumulating mistakes we've made, we're going to try and really batch it, Dave. We also want to make sure that if you're still listening, that you email us, the runtmc podcast at gmail.com, or go to the website the runtmcpodcast.com. If you want to be either on our newsletter, be a guest, or be a correspondent once we reach the season. We also have some merch coming in. More about that on our next episode. All right. Thank you, Duff. Thank you. Good stuff, Dave. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin.